Every year about this time, my kids start asking when Christmas is. <laughs> Seems like it's a long ways away because we're still in the kind of the heat of summer. Today feels a little bit cooler this morning, but um, they start looking for something. And um, before long, though, you realize that in, in just about a month or so, Christmas is going to be like that season. I don't know if you've seen in the stores, they already have Christmas stuff, and, right? So you know when, when it's upon you. And uh, it seems like for the last couple of months, we've been talking about transition as something like Christmas. It's down the road, but it, it's upon us. It's here. In the next couple of months, my family and I will be transitioning out of South Suburban. And you will have a new leader transitioning in. It's an exciting time, an exciting season. For some of you, uh, you've been super kind and you've said like, oh, I wish the change wasn't here. Some of you, I think you were ready for that transition a while ago and that's okay. I, you know, we, we talked about this from the very beginning that, that um, a pastor's job is not just to be your friend, but to lead you in things that God wants um, for that church to, to follow. And it's been a, a joy and a pleasure to be able to, uh, to fill that role for you guys. But man, during times of transition, you realize how important it is to be focused, how extremely important it is for us to really hone in on those things that really matter most. And I'm excited that during this uh, month of August, we're getting to kind of circle back around to some of those areas that would be, the, the scripture would call them biblical bedrocks. Like it doesn't matter what church you're in, doesn't matter what part of the country you're in, doesn't matter who's in the chairs and who's in the pulpit, these kinds of bedrock things are so important for a church to be focusing on. For the last 18 months, you've seen these four biblical bedrocks posted on the walls just outside these doors here. They're things that we've actually cycled through, whether you've recognized it or not. Intentionally, we've gone through our sermon series over the last 18 months, cycling through those four biblical bedrocks. It's extremely important during a season of transition to be focused. One of the great things, one of the great benefits that you have, and I've been the recipient of it in these last couple of months, is that there are such amazing people on staff here at South Suburban. And, and I know that Bob already alluded to this, but I want to tell you, in this last season, these last two months, where you've had some fantastic preachers in the pulpit, it's allowed me to look forward and start planning things for this church even after I'm out, even after I've transitioned out. And it's extremely uh, valuable that we've been able to actually plan ministry um, into the month of November already. And the plan is that, uh, that all the way up to Christmas time, we would have a strategy. So when a new person steps in, they don't step into something where everybody's just saying, okay, what do we do today? What do we do this Sunday? What do we that they would be able to step into a, uh, some kind of a strategy and a plan that's already laid out? There's a pathway for them, and you know that when a leader comes in, that you want to be able to change and adjust, and 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 like it's got to fit that person. So we're working hard to just make a flexible strategy for this church. But it ought to be something like Bob was saying that just gives you confidence to know things are like we're good. We're good. God's leading, and that's never going to change. Like he's on the throne. You, don't, you read through all kinds of passages in Scripture. You can't get away from this concept, from this reality. God is on the throne. He's consistent. He's faithful. That's not going to change. 
It's not going to change for this church, no matter who's in the chairs, no matter who's behind the pulpit. It's not going to change. God is on the throne. So that's our, that's our stability. It's our steadfastness. And that's something that you ought to have extreme confidence in. Now, I'm, getting, I'm excited for this season that we get to focus this week and this month on these biblical bedrocks. They are really important for us. Um, but one of the things that I am excited about in September is jumping into a, a new series that's called The Good Book, and it's, it's looking at the bigger picture of the Bible, the bigger story, God's love that, that, that fueled the creation and the redemption of mankind. And this beautiful story that it lays out. You know a lot of people in the world today, I know this probably isn't you, but they get overwhelmed with the Bible. The fact that it's a book that actually contains 66 books. And in those 66 books, there are tons of chapters and tons of verses. And, and we live in a, a world that's biblically illiterate. Now that may not be true with this demographic in this room, but it's a very accurate statement for the world we live in today. So to be able to look at the book, the Bible, and recognize that there is a beautiful story, God's creation of mankind, his redemption of mankind, and all the pieces that were involved in that. And we're excited to be able to jump into that series um, in September. But this month, again, August, we're looking at this, these four biblical bedrocks, pursuing God, raising families, reaching others, and giving ourselves. Now, the way that we're going to do it today is we're actually going to start at the end. Um, Jesus said, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. I'm taking that verse completely out of context, but we're going to go, we're going to go a little bit backwards. Uh, we're going to start today talking about giving ourselves, and, and I want to start right here with this passage in Isaiah chapter 46, and God says this, I will accomplish my purpose. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. So this morning, I want to begin with a question, and that question is this. How are God's purposes accomplished in the church? That ought to be something you mull over just for a moment here. How are God's purposes accomplished in the church? I think this is a great question that most churchgoers don't often ask. When God has a unique vision, when he has a plan for a church, how are those things fulfilled? Well, over and over again in Scripture, God shows us that it's through his people that his plans and his purposes are fulfilled. That's why, though we sometimes struggle with the mental picture here, um, the church is not the building that we're sitting in. The church is you. The only reason we have a building is to be able to get out of the elements. This building is not the church. You're the church. God's purposes and his plans are accomplished through the church, not through the building, through you, through his people. Philippians 2, verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Sometimes when we read that passage, we think that it's God saying, I have a plan and a purpose for your life, and I'm going to work in you to fulfill my plans and purposes for your life. That's only a part of the picture. God has a plan and a purpose, a purpose for creation, and he plans to work in you and through you to fulfill his plan and his purposes for creation as well. So it's this idea that God actually has a plan that's bigger than me. 
I mean, that almost sounds like a Captain Obvious statement, doesn't it? God has a plan and a purpose that's bigger than me, but a lot of times we get really focused and we think God's plans and purposes that he wants to work in and through me are all about me, and we're missing a big piece of the picture. God has a unique vision for this church. He has a plan, he has a purpose for this church, and his desire is that he's going to fulfill it through, that's right, his church, through you. Going way back to the Old Testament, you'll see this pattern where God communicates these two things. I have vision for you and I have provision for you. Both of those he accomplishes through his people. Both come from God. Both come through God's children. And so God has a a calling and a vision, and he gives us time and talents and treasures to carry it out. And so here's a significant statement that we could probably say if this is the one thing that I want you to walk away with today, this is it. As his children, we are called to steward his provision to see his vision fulfilled. When God puts a call, he also provides the, the, the resources for it. When he gives a vision, he also provides provision for it. And he does that through his people. God has a very unique vision for this church, a plan and a purpose. And he desires, and in fact, Scripture tells us it will be fulfilled, <laughs> it will come to pass. He does it through the provision of of his people. Now, I'm not just talking about money today. We're going to see that, okay? We're going to see that this provision is not just, you, you think every, every time somebody talks about money or talks about provision, you think they're going after your wallet. That's not it. And we've, we covered this a, a couple of months ago. Listen, God is not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. And until you get that piece right, until that clicks in, nothing else lines up. God doesn't need your money. But everything that he has done since the creation of the world has been about going after your heart. That's what he's after. His heart is to build his kingdom. His heart is to build his church. And he fulfills that plan and that purpose through the provision of his people. In the New Testament, there's two very unique words that that, uh, are used for uh, this word steward. And so it's an important word. Both of them carry significance for Christ followers today. The very first word is epitropos, and it has to do with relationships. Epitropos has to do with relationships. It speaks of one who has been entrusted as a guardian or, or a, a custodian. So parents, you are um, stewards of your children. You're called to steward a relationship to manage it well, to invest in that relationship, to build that relationship. And there will be, there's accountability. We will answer to the Lord for how we steward that relationship, how we raise our children. We're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks when we focus on what it is to raise families and not just our individual family, but the bigger family in the body of Christ. So epitropos has to do with relationships. But today I want to focus on the second word that's translated steward, and that's oikonomos, and that has to do with resources. 
It speaks of a person who's been entrusted with someone else's stuff, someone else's resources, and the calling again to manage those according to the owner's vision, the owner's purposes. Psalm 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Isn't that a beautiful verse? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. What a beautiful verse. You know what it says? Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. That's another one of those, those truths that until it clicks in place, we have a lot of confusion in our own personal lives because we think our stuff is our stuff. We think that our stuff is for our purposes. And we miss the biggest reason why God blesses us with relationships and with resources. So Scripture calls us to recognize that everything we have is a gift from God. And that means, that means here, here's resources. He's given us each a certain number of days. He's numbered them. He knows the number of days that we have, just like the number of hairs on our head. And for some of you, that's a lot less hairs I'm talking, right? Um, I, I get some nods out there. Um, God's given you certain gifts, talents, abilities. You can do things well that other people can't. You are skilled in certain ways that other people... Those are gifts from God. Those are resources that the Lord has given you. For some, it's, it's influence. Certain titles or positions or roles that you have where you have a certain amount of influence. Guess what? God has called you to steward your influence well. Those are, those are relationships. For some, God has given you um, funds. We, we would call them treasure God has called you to, to steward those well. He's blessed you with them. And all of these things, when you put them all together and you realize that we've got a certain number of days, we've got certain skills and talents, and we've got certain resources, and, and one of the reasons God gives us all those things is so that we can do what, what we call make a living. We can get a job. We can buy a house. We can provide for our family. That's part of God's plan and purpose with those things. And I think it's a beautiful piece of that. But the ultimate expression of those time, those talents, those, those treasures, is because God wants you to use his provision to, to build his kingdom. He wants his people to use his stuff for his purposes to build his kingdom. Now that's a good note to take down. I think we have a slide for that. This is a good teaching moment here for each one of us that we would understand God wants us, his people, to use his stuff for his purposes to build his kingdom. Now, I, I get this because anytime somebody else talks to me about this, I get uncomfortable and I can feel the tension in the room because it's our stuff and everybody feels a little bit uncomfortable. Patrick is asking for our stuff. I'm not asking for your stuff. I'm not asking you to give it to me. I'm not asking for a dime. I'm not asking for a minute. I'm not asking for any, any, I'm not asking for you to give that to me. I'm asking for you to discover God's ultimate purpose for giving it to you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your kingdom. It's bigger than your house, than your bank account, than your vacations. It's bigger than your children. It's bigger than your family. 
It's his kingdom. I'm not asking for you to give me, I'm asking for you to learn, to realize the purpose of why God blessed you with those things. The ultimate purpose is building his kingdom. And he wants his people to use his stuff for his purpose to build his kingdom. So what does it look like to give ourselves? Because that's what our focus is today, giving ourselves. What does it look like to give ourselves to the Lord's purposes, specifically within the church? I want to give you three ways that Scripture identifies. Now listen, probably not new teaching to you. This is probably not new information, yet we struggle to apply these three areas consistently in our lives. Why do you think that teachers have to repeat things? <laughs> you, you laugh because you're like me. I need to hear it over and over again before it sinks in. Sometimes I've learned something, but I've not applied it. Did you know they've done research, and I'm not sure how they actually discovered this, but the, the Pew Research, and I, I believe Ed Stetzer's done some research on this as well. For regular church attenders, raise your hand if you're a regular. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Listen, for regular church attenders, they apply two biblical truths per year to their life. That means we hear all kinds of truth, and we will only apply two of them per year. See, information is not our issue. Application is. Do we live it out? Do we live it out? We're going to talk about three things, and as I talk about these three things, I don't want you to do this in your mind. Heard it, heard it, heard it. Know it, I already understand it, read it, learned it. Somebody else uh, taught it to me way better than you. Like, I know these things. I want you to process it through the lens of, am I really living this out? The first category, number one, is prayer. First one is to pray. How do I give myself to the Lord's purposes? To pray. Prayer is the greatest use of your time here on earth. And that's because when you work, you work. But when you pray, God works. And listen, this church, as much as we'd like to feel that it's about us putting it on our shoulders and carrying it through, has nothing to do with that. The most important thing that you could do is not work on this church. It's pray for this church. It's that God would put it on his shoulders and he would carry it. He's promised to do that. And that we would call him to that. Lord, lead us, carry us, build this church. We're in a season of transition, Lord. Carry us through. Bring us to the place you want us to be. be help us to become the church you want us to become. Let our future be brighter than our past. Bring in the new person that's supposed to lead this church. God, this is about you. We need you. We need you. We need you. Pray. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Again, a familiar passage, I'm sure, for you. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Now, listen. I know it's really easy to take this scripture out of context. We do get concerned about things in life, don't we? I, I don't, we'll do... We'll do audience participation. How many of you guys are concerned about something right now? Anything in your life? Listen, it doesn't mean that you don't get concerned about things, but it does mean this, and this is, this is again, another significant thing for us. 
Scripture tells us that we should not give worry the upper hand. It doesn't mean you're not concerned about things. But you don't give worry the upper hand. Give it to the Lord. Again, I know that there are a lot of things happening in South Suburban right now. Great things, exciting things, nervous things. (laughs) It's easy to get concerned. But don't get anxious. Get to praying. Greatest investment of your time. Here's another statement worth writing on your bathroom mirror. For those of you who look in your mirror every morning, if it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. The second one is this. Number two, the second is to give. Give financially to support the ministry at South Suburban. Listen, if ever there is a time or a season to give financially to the church, it's during a season of change. If ever there was a time when you would give towards the ministry of your church, it's during a season of change. I want to look at just a couple of verses here. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crop. And the, the, the biblical principle here is that you prioritize the Lord's work in everything in your life, including your finances. It's a priority. Listen, this is what, this is what um, I think is a struggle for me at times. I know it's a struggle for my kids as they're learning this principle, and I know it's a struggle for, for the rest of us as well, that God asks for some of our resources, some of our money, And he has chosen, out of his great love and compassion for you, his concern for you, his desire to see you healthy, his desire to see you thrive in life, he's chose, you to, he's chose to bless you with resources so that you can buy a house, you can buy a car, so that you can pay the bills, so you can put food on the table. He didn't ask for those things. You realize when people talk about this biblical principle of tithing, that it's understanding that God says keep 90, keep 90%. My kids, when I'm teaching them this principle, you know what their response is? God lets me keep 90%? He only asks for 10%? That, that, that's just the biblical principle of tithing. That, that God is so good that he, it's all his anyway, and he's given me this, and he said, I, I want you to invest 10% of that in the kingdom, but 90% of it, build your kingdom. Don't let your kingdom become more important than mine, but invest. Buy nice clothes. Go on vacations. Enjoy life, but don't forget whose kingdom is most important here. When God blesses us with these resources, we're called to honor him, honor his kingdom with the first fruits of all of our crops, not all of our crops, the first fruits of it, that we would give some of the very best to the Lord. Here's another passage I think is uh, on a screen this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, one of my favorite verses here about giving. Just as you excel in everything, 
See that you also excel in the grace of giving. There's one thing that I think is very noticeable when you walk into South Suburban. It's an excellent church. We shoot for excellence. I love excellence because I think it honors the Lord. I think it's telling God we're giving our very best. If we're saying that in our heart, then we should be giving our very best when it comes to giving financially as well. If we're going to excel in music, and we're going to excel in, in the, the design of this facility, and we're going to excel in ministry, we should also excel in the grace of giving. We can't neglect that piece. That's how God fulfills his plans and his purposes. Excel in the grace of giving. The third is this, serve. <laughs> Find a place to serve in the church. There are so many great opportunities to serve at South Suburban, leading small groups or serving coffee or investing in kids' lives and in kids' ministry. Here's another one of my favorite passages here, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself modeled this for us. It's not about what other people do for me. And there's this consumer mentality that's just prevalent in our world today, and it follows us into the church, that we come in and our mindset is, what are you going to do for me today? Sing my favorite songs, serve my favorite coffee. What are you going to do for me today? Your sermon better be relevant to me. It, Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve and it ought to be the mentality of our church that when we walk in the building, it's what can I do for other people today? That's got to be our heartbeat. And so here's my admonition to you. Find the most meaningful or significant way you can contribute and jump in. Stop making excuses. I have to hear people, people have to tell me that. Patrick, stop making excuses and just do what you know you're supposed to do. Do what you know you need to do. Do what you know you want to do. Stop making excuses. I realize that nobody in this church can do everything, but everybody can do something. Everybody in this room could do something. And that's the heartbeat of why God gave gifts and talents, is that you would use them to build your kingdom, but that you would not forget that his kingdom is the most important. It's the highest calling for those gifts. Use your gifts to build his kingdom. And here's where I want us to circle back to, the, to this point here. God has so much in store for South Suburban in the coming months and the coming years. He has so much in store for you personally. We all want the very best that God has for us personally. We all want the very best that God has for this church. So here, here's what I need just for, let's say, five minutes here, a five-minute family meeting this morning. You've probably been a part of family meetings in your past where it's important that you all sit down and you have some candid discussion. Let me have some candid discussion with you. And it's, we started with a question and we'll wrap up with a question here. What role will you play in moving South Suburban forward? What role will you play? Not what role have you done in the past. What role will you play from this day forward in moving South Suburban forward? Circle back on these three that we talked about. Pray. If there was ever a time to pray for South Suburban Church, it is right now. 
it's likely that you will choose your next senior pastor in the next couple of months. You think that's important? Are you a little nervous about it? If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. Get to praying. Turn your nervousness or your anxiousness into prayer. Pray that God would have his way here at South Suburban. Pray for unity within this body. Pray for the leadership. Pray for the next senior pastor. Pray. I know that you know you should pray. I'm asking you to act on it. The second one, make a habit of giving financially to support the ministry of this church. 18 months ago, I pulled this up on my calendar. 18 months ago, I stood in the pulpit here and I told you one of the unhealthy tendencies of churches who are in transition is that they sit on their wallets. If you've been sitting on your wallet, it's time to start giving again. If you've never given before, trust the Lord with your finances and start giving to the ministry of the church. This is a family meeting, guys. It's time for you to invest in God's kingdom not just your own. The third one is to serve, and this is kind of where we're going to land it today. In your um, bulletin today, you should have received a serve card, and I'm going to ask for something pretty big today, and that is that everybody fills one of these out. Now, you heard me. Everybody. And here's how. Here's how, okay? If you're already serving somewhere, put your name on here, and you may have to write it at the bottom where you're serving. Um, let us know where you're serving. That helps us to update our records to make sure that we're accurate. If you're not serving somewhere, choose one of these areas that you might be interested in and just let us have a conversation with you. Let us talk with you about what it looks like to serve in hospitality, to be somebody who's welcoming folks as they walk in those doors. Let us have a conversation with you about what it would be to invest in the next generation with kids or with student ministries, shaping their lives. The biggest investment you can make in this world is not in your bank account, it's in somebody's eternity. Let us have a conversation with you about what it would be to serve in, in production, to help to get slides up on the screens, to create the, the service schedule, to be able to provide ministry on Sunday mornings. If, if you're a singer, which I'm not... Um, if you're a singer and you want to be a part of, of the, the choir or the worship team, that you would, would let us know so we can have a conversation with you. And if you have served in the past but you're not serving right now, let us know an area where you would be interested in jumping back in. Now, that's a pretty big ask, isn't it? That everybody would fill one of these out? It's a family meeting. It's a family meeting, Okay. When you walk out the door today, there will be people who will be standing there, volunteers who are serving at the church to receive these cards. Nobody's going to break your thumbs. Nobody's going to shake you down. Nobody's going to give you evil looks. I'm just asking that you take the time to say, if I could invest my gifts here at South Suburban, where would it be? And again, we're going to receive those as we, as we close up this morning. Now, we're going to move into just a time of, of uh, response. Now, we typically, during this time, we focus on communion of what Jesus did for us. 
I want to add something to that, a layer. And I want you to ask the Lord, what can I do for you? I remember what you've done for us. No greater sacrifice has any man ever made. But Jesus, what could I do for you? I want to put your kingdom above mine. I need some help. So I'm going to ask in these next few minutes as we're focusing on some communion and we're focusing on just remembering what Jesus did that we would also ask him, what can I do for you now? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for...